We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to KFS Study Hall. My name is Sean the W. Thank you for joining us today on this Monday evening, which is rare. Usually study halls on the weekend when Robert Cross is a little miffed at us because we did this on the weekend. But hey, schedules are schedules and this time worked best for everybody. So here we are. And I am joined for the first time in a while. And I miss these guys. Um... It is, I will start in alphabetical order, and if I'm old enough to remember, that means K comes before M, so we were, So I will introduce first uh, my co-host and the radio voice of the Fordham, well, last year anyway, of the Fordham uh, Lady Rams, and I believe the radio voice of the men this year, and if I got that wrong, let me know, but the voice, the voice of WFUV-FM, as far as I'm concerned... Mr. Chris Persiani and Chris, how are you? <laughs> What's going on, y'all? Um, yeah, color commentary for the men's team this year, and then uh, last year I did play-by-play for. I was last sorry, last year I did color commentary for women's. This year I do play-by-play for women's, but I mostly do color commentary for men's. So that's been a lot of fun. Um, but also, you know, mixed beat reporting once again, and that's that's the uh, the expertise slightly more relevant to this show so that uh that'll do it as well it's great to be here with you guys and and i i enjoy greatly that all three hosts are here tonight same here i enjoy i'm i i'm i'm looking forward to us us three talking with each other as well as with um our guests um our co-hosts our callers our our friends in the audience and my other co-host is the how do i describe this gentleman well he's a new father i don't know if you've heard um and he is i wish i had his level of optimism on certain days on most days because uh that level of optimism just can just lift a cloud that's been following you all day Coming to you live from Brooklyn, New York, it's the one, the only, Mensa Smith. Mensa, how are you? Thank you for the very warm introduction. Um, I am doing great. Happy to be discussing Knicks basketball with you guys on a Monday evening, which is a weird time for us, but I'm happy to be here. 
Um, yeah, just ready to get into it because there's a lot to talk about since it's been a while since we've been on a on a study hall together. So let's see what what uh, what sparks and what fireworks fly today. Well, if you're worried that you're missing anything important, the Cavs Magic game is 30 to 16 right now. Um, ah, sorry, 30 to 18, thanks to Joe Ingles. So that's that's that. Exhilarating. Uh, I feel like the league. I was going to say I feel like the league is. Um, has it been exciting as of late? Oh, um, you mean the National Blowout Association? <laughs> So I was going to say that, but then I also realized that the league hasn't mattered to me because I've been up to my ears in the National Football League because my favorite football team is one win away from going to the Super Bowl. And I can't wait. But we're not here to talk basketball. We're here to talk football. And first, well, I don't, we I don't know if you, heard, you saw the Lions signed, <laughs> the, the, the Lions signed, uh, Zach Ertz today. The Giants are actually picking me up for their playoff run. Um, I'm, I'm going into I'm going to East Rutherford tomorrow for the uh, pen and paper kind of situation. So when you say the Giants, do you mean the Cebu Giants? No, or... I'm talking Big Blue. Oh, oh, they signed you for Big what? Blue. For you said a playoff run, and well, I'm... D- Daniel's injured, so I'm going to be under center. I don't even know where you're going with this, but I like it. <laughs> Big Blue never dies. We're there. We'll be there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You must be playing in the one double A national championship or something like that. <laughs> okay. So back to the NBA. Um the Knicks played a game on Saturday. Uh and it was it was filled with emotions. Uh, as we uh, play ho- played host of Toronto Raptors, which marked the return of one Rowan Alexander Barrett Jr. and one Emmanuel Jalen quickly to Madison Square Garden, but this time wearing the red and white of We the North. And I'm not gonna lie, those well those white jerseys with the red with, with the red arrow point up, kind of clean, kind of clean. I can see myself rock one of those this summer. I'm not gonna front. I know Mensa got his eye on uh, guy's eye on one of them. We cannot confirm or deny uh, any of those allegations. <laughs> I, I, I listen, man. Listen, just because we are Knicks film school does not mean we're not allowed to like players on other teams. Listen, I got a LeBron James uh, alternate jersey, and I'm just waiting for the perfect time to wear it and piss people off. But anyway, I digress. We played the Raptors on Saturday. We won 126-100. So I think it was, if you're a true Nick fan, it was the best of both worlds. You got to see RJ. You got to see IQ. They got, they played, they, they got their good games. Um, and the Knicks got to win. So, um, I will yield the floor to the biggest RJ Barrett fan on his side of the East river meant to, to tell us to just to share his thoughts about the game, but RJ, what have you. Then we'll go to Chris, and then I'll throw some I'll throw some words in, and then we'll move on to the to the overall topic of the show. As you can see in the title, it is forty-one down, forty-one to go, approximately. Because by this time, we are basically at the halfway point of the NBA season. Um, and then also, if you have questions, please you can post them in the chat in the lower right-hand corner, and we'll read them. And we'll read them, or you can also raise your hand. We will get to the callers after. After the second segment. Um, so that's how we'll go. Mensa, the floor is yours. So the Saturday, the 20th, 
New York plays, New York hosts the Toronto Raptors, and it's the first time we see Emmanuel Jalen Quickly and Rowan Alexander Barrett the second, or Rowan Alexander Barrett Jr., um, commonly known as RJ. First time we see these two guys in the opponent jerseys, and it's a little weird because the Raptors have kind of been a thorn in the Knicks' side. I'm not ready to call them rivals because we just never have been good at the same time. But like last year, they were the first team that kind of like puts a, put a chink in Jalen Brunson's armor because they were able to throw club six, nine at him. And now it's a totally different unit. There's no more Pascal Siakam. There's no more OG and because he's a Nick now Thank God. And just to watch those two come out. I mean, I want to say I'm very happy that the New York Knicks faithful embrace them warmly because they deserve that. You know, it's not their fault that they got traded. It's not their fault they play for another team. And every time Emmanuel quickly and RJ Barrett came out on the floor, whether you were a fan of them or not, you can't say that they ever cheated the game. They went out there and they played their hardest for the Knicks, I think, all the time. And then another thing that's really important in an age of, well, we're, we're probably out of this age, but in an age of load management, you never had to worry about Emmanuel quickly and RJ Barrett missing a ton of time. They were always available. They always played and they contributed to some of the biggest moments against a team that I hate, the Boston Celtics. Emmanuel quickly skipping at the TD Jake Center. RJ Barrett hitting the buzzer beater over Jason Tatum to win the game. Like Those are some of my favorite moments of the last five years as a Knicks fan. So to see those two guys come back was... It was hard to see them in another jersey, but I was happy that they were warmly embraced. And I want to, you know, give the Knicks organization some credit because at the first, basically the first basketball stoppage, they gave those guys a really nice um, montage. And you could see Emmanuel quickly fighting back tears. It was it was a tearjerker moment. And then it was just I was just for me, it was really once I got over the fact that they were not on our team, it was more of a happy moment because they were embraced properly. You could see that when they came back, there was no animosity for anybody. They weren't mad at Tibbs. They weren't mad at Julius. None of that. All those narratives that we as fans have somehow convinced ourselves are real. They kind of put a, you know, they kind of squashed those. So it was just, it was good to see. And then the first quarter starts and they are beating the pants off of us. And I was not happy about that. And that's when I realized as much as I love these guys, I'm a Knicks fan for, I'm a Knicks fan first. And while I do want to see them succeed and do well, maybe not tonight. And then the New York Knicks do what they do to most bad teams when Jalen Brunson plays and they beat the hell out of them. So it was a great night overall. I got to see Emmanuel quickly. Um, I think he had what? nine assists in the first half of the game. So was, so you get to see him um, expand his game a little bit. RJ Barrett, without the pressure of having to be a corner three-point shooter or have to be one of the top three three-point shooters, excuse me, on his team, you saw that he was able to expand. I mean, three for nine from the free throw line is not what you want, but if unless you believe RJ Barrett's going to be a 33% free, free throw shooter going forward, um, I didn't really, I, probably just nerves or anything. So it was good to see those two perform. Um, again, just really happy moment for me. Once I got over the bittersweet nerves early on, um, a play that was really weird. It was, I think, Emmanuel quickly pushes the ball forward to RJ Barrett or vice versa. And then they're playing beautiful basketball and they pass it to Scotty Barnes. I'm like, wow, a month ago, that pass goes to Julius Randle or it goes to Isaiah Hartenstein. And now they're playing good basketball for another team. So that was really weird to see, but just happy that they're playing good basketball. Happy earth. The Knicks are playing better basketball and winning games. Um, I think that January 20th went about as well 
as we as Knicks fans could have hoped for. So that's kind of my synopsis on everything that we saw. Um, I guess I'll pass it over to Chris or Sean, whoever, but I think I, I said all I had to say about it. Chris. Yeah. Um, that game was interesting. It definitely, you know, as someone who was just covering the two as Knicks this year and, uh, now they're in like such a starkly different color in red, just like n- n- nothing to do with the teams. Just you know, f- very odd to see. You know, it's it's definitely a weird, definitely a weird thing. Um, it was also one of those situations where uh, the New York Knicks were a 17 win ball club twice in three years, and those guys were a huge part of the reversal of that uh, momentum. Um, and so despite the fact that neither of them will ever have a shot of having their jersey retired by the franchise, you know, it's not like they were some franchise legends. They were the, the two most desirable players to cover by the fans. Like if you look, you know, every beat reporter looks at which tweets of theirs do the best. It's always Barrett and quickly tweets that were positive. Like Thibodeau praise for quickly or Thibodeau praise for Barrett are always the two clips that perform the best on my page when I put them out there. It's just a fact of the matter. Um, and so the fan base had selected these two guys as their two fan favorites for several, several years before the arrival of Brunson and the uh, incredible evolution of the game of Julius Randle. And, and so like you see, you know, Steph Bondi and Steve pop going up to Toronto before the game, and it's like, yeah, like you, that is how these guys get covered in New York. Um, a lot of people say that it's only because some certain players are in New York that they get any attention, but I've seen Barrett get more love and quickly get more love since being Raptors than they ever got in New York. I think it goes both ways, you know. So, I'm definitely a very interesting game storyline wise. As as for the 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 orange the round orange thing going and the other round orange thing um, that that whole situation I I think the Knicks just were themselves I think the Raptors are a worse team right now because of what their organizational direction is right now so that game just played out how it would six out of ten times if you simulated it you know just that's just how it was gonna go um, nice touch by the Knicks with the tribute and and that's about it for me on that game. For me, um, so the funny thing is, I, I unfortunately I missed the first quarter because I was watching uh, the Ravens beat the Houston Texans thirty four ten, and by the time I was able to hop on the C train and get to MSG and get through all, all stuff, it was I missed the I missed the first quarter, which and I was sad because I really wanted to see, you know, if there was like a tribute video, what have you, um, and to echo what Mensa said. Um, the you want them you 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 want to see them do well but then you're you're i'm a knicks fan first so i was like okay i'm happy i love these guys now it's time to put them in the dirt and and take care of business because we have games to win and to echo what chris said like and i posted in a jumbotron um you cannot tell the story of the rebirth of the new york knicks without rowan or emmanuel Period. End of story. And already said the best. When he came here, we weren't that good. Because like Chris said, two seven two two 17-win seasons. And he said, I left it a lot better than we start than than when it started. And he's absolutely correct. Um, one thing I will say. So 
I so we have a week we have a every game we have a segment called betting and sweating where myself along with my casual co- cohorts XJ Mensa and Andrew Claudio we have to we have, we pick a prize picks prop and I to quote one Andrew Claudio chose violence and I chose RJ Barrett under 20 and a half points not because I'm a hater not because I don't like RJ but when these these homecoming games, they either go really well or really poorly. And just by looking at doing my research and seeing and seeing his last 10 games, I said, you know something? It's a it's a shot that he will not that he may not break this 20 point 20 point plateau, 20 and a half point plateau. Um, and also he might be guarded by OG and Anobi, which is going to be hell. RJ is 17 at the half. And I'm sitting at the game next to my man, Cedric Shine. And he's like, yeah, I don't think it was good for you. And I said to him, it's still early. I know, RJ. It's still early. What I tell you, it, I won the bet. I won the prop. But literally, RJ went to the line. He went to the line once, hit one of two to get to 18. He went to the line again. He made the first, missed the second. To get to 19, he went to the line again. He and every time he misses, I just grab Cedric's arm. I'm like, yo, I told you this is not. I told you this wasn't dead. And he had multiple trips to the line to break 21 points, and didn't hit it. And I was like, man, like it. It, it, it was just a microcosm of the R.J. Barrett experience in New York. Like it was always like one good half, one bad half. Um, one game great, one game not as good. Uh, it was a bit of a roller. It was a bit of a ro- roller coaster. Um, but to Mintz's point, that pressure isn't there anymore. So hopefully, he can be as consistent as he can be in Toronto, except when he plays us. Because then, like I said, I'm Knicks fan first. I want to put it. I want to put them in. I want to beat them bloody. And we did. We won 126-100. So that's the game. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Last week, uh, let's move on to our next segment, which is let's grade the season. So, like I said earlier, we are at the we are at the halfway point. About everyone has played at least forty one games right now. 
So I would love to. Well, actually, what I'll do is we'll start with Mr. Chris. We'll start with Chris first, and then we'll go to Mensa. Um, I want to get if you were to give this season, if you were to give the Knicks a grade, what grade would you give it, and why? And that includes all. That's encompassing everything. That's wins and losses, player performances, coaching performances, front office moves, lack of front office moves, everything. What would you know where they are standing wise? What have you? What would you give the New York Knicks as a grade to start to, for this season so far? Chris, the floor is yours. Um, I'm just gonna go with my gut here. The grade that jumped out to me in my head right away was B plus. Um, so I'm probably gonna ride with that. Uh, I, I want to say that for me personally, that means like you know, like say like an eight. Point seven out of 10, which is really great. Um, like a five is mediocre, six is solid, seven is good, eight is great. Like this is great. Uh, and that's including the circumstances of Mitchell Robinson getting injured, right? The team really banks on getting that defensive anchor role filled by him in the starting lineup and then having arguably the single best backup center in the NBA. Uh, and I, I think he genuinely is the best backup center in the NBA and Isaiah Hartenstein. But the problem is that's only true when he's the backup center. So it's less about the fact that Hartenstein is starting because we know he does a great job and more about the fact that you, you have Jericho Sims and or Precious Achua in the rotation, neither of which were really in the plans, <laughs> you know? Oh, also those random Todd Gibson minutes. Like we're going to look back on Todd Gibson 2023 minutes. I, I think it's almost fitting that he never played after January 1st. Like we we went into 2024 and outgrew so, society moved past the need for for Gibson. Um he should join Thibodeau's staff as an assistant though. That would be awesome and I think genuinely a good move. Um I digress. The the Knicks are in a situation where they are in sole possession of fifth place in the Eastern Conference. Uh, if someone told you that the Knicks lose Mitch, but they finish fifth in the East, and yes, everyone was right about the Pacers. They were top eight. The Celtics, Bucks, and 76ers and Cavs were the top four seeds, like everyone thought, but the Knicks were five ahead of everyone else without Mitchell Robinson. I feel like people would say that's a really good outcome. The reason I say B plus and not, oh, that's a you know perfect outcome is because I think the team uh, throughout the season, I would say coaching, I would not have a super as high of a grade on as I would individual players like Hartenstein or Brunson who have had like A minus to A seasons um, or even the front office, probably like a B on their own or, you know, you know, something like that. B uh, maybe. Yeah, maybe, which is really good in my books. Um, so, yeah, I think it all averages out to a B plus. That's uh, that's what I would say. I think that's a good that's a, that's a good breakdown. Um, I like the breakdown. Uh, looking across all facets of the organization, uh, Mensa, what would you give? What grade would you give uh, the Knicks this this half at the halfway point of the season? Yeah, I think B plus is a really good grade, but I'm not quite as um, I well yeah, so I'm not quite there just because I thought this team was going to be a two seed. Um, 
before the OG Ananobi trade. Now you can you can say that I'm crazy. You can say that I'm too optimistic, but the Knicks are three and a half games behind the three seed. So it's not like we're a mile away from it. It's absolutely possible. And if the Knicks handled their business against Orlando and um and Dallas, the Knicks right now would be twenty eight and fifteen, I believe. Yeah, twenty eight and fifteen instead of 26 and 17. So a break or two here or there, the Knicks could be right could have been right on track for that 2 seed, but I digress. Where I'll have them right now is I think a solid B is where I place them just because um yeah, why not an A? Why not an A because we haven't been to me we this hasn't gone perfectly for the New York Knicks despite the um Mitchell Robinson injury. Personally, I don't give them too much like credit for the for the Robinson injury just because I believe that Isaiah Hartenstein is better than Mitchell Robinson. Right now, Isaiah Hartenstein is leading the entire NBA in defensive estimated plus minus, which is a stat that the Knicks pay attention to. And it's one of the better impact metrics out there. So not that Isaiah Hartenstein is the best defender in the NBA, but he has been, according to this stat, the most impactful defender in the NBA. And the last I checked, the gulf between him and I believe Joel Embiid, who is the third player, was larger than was about was the same gap between the third best player, Joel Embiid, and the 15th best player. So he's been really, really impactful. And I can't give the Knicks too much credit for that this season because he signed with us two off seasons ago, the 2022 offseason. So as far as the Knicks season from October to now, um, 26 and 17 is really good. I'm happy with it. I don't, I think this team has more talent. I think this team should be hosting a, a playoff series in the first round this year. I do believe their first game of the playoffs should be at home. So right now they're not on track for that. I know the Cavs are really good. I know the Bucks are really good. I know the 76 is really good, but when you come to compete, you have to be, you have to go up against really good teams. So I expect this team to just improve going forward. I like where they are. I love the addition of Ananobi, and I think the New York Knicks front office was right to go grab him. Maybe the price is going to look a little bad in the future, but we don't really worry about what went out. We worry about what came in, and what came in was the perfect piece, not just for a guy like Jalen Brunson or Julius Randle, but for this team in general. I think that... um, I have a tweet I should probably post to the Jumbotron. Um, it was Andrew Claudio, our great executive producer over at Nick's Film School. Shout out to Andrew Claudio. Shout out to Nick's Film School. He posted, pick your favorite um, small sample size, but so far unreal OG Ananobi lineup. And it looks like that in 824 possessions, um, we have a 100th percentile lineup. <laughs> With OG Ananobi, he is currently a plus 20. We're, we're currently 23.2 points better with Ananobi on the court than off the court. And I tweeted that tired, the Knicks gave up too much for OG Ananobi, but wired, the Knicks actually need a second OG Ananobi, which leads me to my third point. While the Ananobi trade was great, it did leave us rail thin. And now we're seeing guys like Isaiah Hartenstein go down with overusage Achilles injuries. We're looking at Jalen Brunson playing too many minutes, and we're looking at OG Ananobi not even being able to get a bathroom break the way Thibodeau relies on him. So this deadline is going to be very important for us because what used to look like in my opinion, we just need our third shot creator. We kind of need like three guys. I don't know if we're going to get all three guys, but I do believe we need a third forward behind 
Julius and Ananobi to help those guys get a little bit of rest. We need somebody behind Jalen Brunson to help him get some rest. And then we also need a another center because we cannot rely on Achua and Sims for long-term minutes going forward. Even when Hartenstein is healthy, he's overworked because our coach does not trust Jericho Sims or Precious Achua. So the front office has some work to do ahead of them, whether that's getting a G League center that can give you 12 minutes. And they're out there because the Memphis Hustle, they do it all the time. I'm sorry, the Memphis Grizzlies, they do it all the time. Um, just they're been decimated by injuries, but they, they're able to find guys who can play and they suck. But you can get 12 minutes from a guy in the G League to play center. Um, so right now I give them a B because they are doing as well as most people would have expected. But me, I expected more from this team. I expect them to have a top four seed by the end of the season. And I expect them to get some really good work done by the deadline. Because if you look at it this way, if you if you're paying attention to the rumor mill and you see a guy like um, Malcolm Brogdon, who is available, according to the rumor mill for an expiring contract and a first round pick. To me, that means you go and you call them, you offer them Evan Fournier and the Milwaukee pick for next year. Right. That gets you your um, that gets you your third creator, your backup for Jalen Brunson, who can also play next to Jalen Brunson, right? And in, in for stretches, you can get away with playing a Brunson-Brogdon backcourt for eight minutes in a playoff game, right? And then you still have the Grimes piece to go and flip for whatever, because I don't think they're going to keep playing with Grimes. I don't think they're, I don't think he wants to be here. I don't think they want him here anymore. Um, at least he's always felt like a trade piece. So we'll see where, where that goes. And then you kind of have to scour the, the waiver wire. You kind of have to scour the, uh, the G league for a backup big at this point, unless you think Biombo can get it done. But it's not just to me, it's not just get the creator because yeah, the creator will help, but you're still relying on Ananobi for 38 minutes. You're still relying on Julius Randall for 36 minutes. You're still relying on Hartenstein and Mitchell Robinson. Well, Mitchell Robinson's not even healthy. You're still relying on Isaiah Hartenstein for a ton of minutes. And it's just not, it's not ideal. So yeah, I'm going to give them a B. There's still more work to be done, but I'm happy with what I'm seeing in front of me. Uh, that's because the Lakers stink, Zach. <laughs> Zach is sitting next to me. He's looking at the NBA standings. He says, why are the Lakers all the way down there? Because <laughs> they stink. Um, thank you, Mensa. Uh, I actually will give them a B also. Um, I think, to your point, the fact that they are a fifth seed. And again, if you told me that they would be the fifth seed despite losing Mitchell Robinson, I'd say, Wow. Um, that they would be nine games over 500 despite losing Mr. Robbins. I'd be impressed because I remember when we found out that he was going to be gone for the year, well, or allegedly, who knows at this point, I remember saying in a group chat that I'm in, like the Knicks might be up a creek. And I did not use those words in particular um, because this team is built around the strengths and weaknesses on both sides of the ball of Mr. Robinson. But uh, Isaiah Hartenstein, the black Jokic, uh, has come in and it's almost it's almost been like Mitch who almost uh, Mensa read the stats about him being the the, the number one player and and defensive EPM. I mean, like he's been an absolute revelation. Uh, I give him a B because they could be in a lot worse situation. But the re- the main reason why they're not a B plus for me is because of the head coach. Not that I don't not that I think the head coach has done a poor job, 
but there are some things. I mean, listen, the menace thing. We all know, like, I I bet you if you ask, I bet you if you ask Tibbs why is he, why is he playing OG so many minutes, he would say, well, Mensa told. Listen, Mensa just told you, I, he's in the one hundred percent time when he plays his lineups. Um, the start. Uh, I'm not gonna say we gave away the game against Utah by starting on uh, Jericho Sims, but it was if you have a backup. And then the backup, and then the starter gets hurt. Usually the backup gets elevated. But Tibbs, you know, continuity, want to keep things the same, which I understood where he was coming from. But after the first time it happened, it was like, you just can't punt six minutes away. And especially in this conference where the seeds two through five are separated by three and a half games. There's at one point where five teams for where I think – it was the third through sixth seed all had the exact same record of 21 and 15. We can't afford to give games away. Uh, the rigidity, you need some flexibility. Yes, I understand that you have to, you know, you want continuity. You want to build great habits. I just, I do think that something has to give at some point. I do also think that Tibbs is telling the front office, hey, I need more guys in here. Um, which is understandable, but you know, you can't always, and I will say that the, you know, the, 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 the tug of war between a coach and a front office is always interesting, no matter which team they play for, because coaches worry about tomorrow, the coaches worry about the next day, front office have to worry about the next month, the next year, the next five years. So while it may make sense to while Tom Thibodeau may want to bring in Bruce Brown, and it looks like Bruce Brown wants to be here from the comments that he's made. Um, and shout out to Jeremy Cohen for pointing out that the guys, all the guys that next is no coincidence that guys that looking that we are looking to trade for are guys that have one year left on their contract after this year. Um, so it's very possible that Bruce Brown could be a Nick for four months and then get, be flipped in a trade for somebody else, but. Woo, as John said in today's podcast, how much less spacing would you like the Knicks to have? But I'm nitpicking. Overall, it's a B. Andrew cooked. Andrew cooked. Andrew cooked? Yeah, talking about Bruce Brown. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely, he cooked. Um, and shout out to him for not letting – um. For not for 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 pushing back on some of the foolishness that was thrown in his way in terms of trades. Um. Check out the Knicks pregame show pods. They're very informative. So I'll give them a B. Um, with that being said, I will turn the floor over to the speakers. Um, anyone else, if you'd like to come up and speak, say something, um, raise your hand. We'll bring you up. Uh, there's one quote. There's one quote in the chat. Uh, there's one tweet in the chat, and it's from Pastor. Cla- <laughs> it's from Pastor Claudio. Scary Terry is available. Um, and it is a it's a screenshot of Tibbs Tibbs a Tibbs story about how he basically plays his guys too much, and it's a screenshot of somebody's minutes, and I have absolutely no idea whose minutes they are. So is Pastor Claudio still here in the audience? He looks like he left. All right, oh no, he's still here. Uh, reply and tell him what the hell this means, because I have no idea, and I don't want to misrepresent what you said. So what, in the meantime, we will open up the floor, and the first up is the one, the only, Kevin Danishevsky. Kevin, it was good to see you on Saturday night at Blarney's after the game. The floor is yours. We'd love to hear what grade you will give the New York Knicks after you know, as so, at this point in the season, and anyone else who wants to share their thoughts on the season so far after 40-plus, after 40 
plus games. Uh, feel free, Ray Jan, to bring you up. Kevin, the floor. Likewise, Sean. Um, also, yeah, good seeing you too. Uh, I, it's funny. Like, whenever people put out grids, um, I'm a recent graduate in college and of uh, and, uh, an undergraduate, now getting a master's. And like, because of grade inflation, like when people say, oh, it's a B plus or, oh, it's an A minus. I, I think they mean, I know they mean it as a compliment, but I'm like, damn, if I got an A minus, like my last couple of years of college, I was freaking out. Um, so uh, I, I, it's, it's just, it, it's, 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 it's always weird having that cognitive dissonance in my head. Um, but um, I... <sighs> I think I will give this team an A minus, and I want to push back a little bit on the notion of oh, this team is the fifth seed, and that's what you would have, what you might not have expected. Maybe that's a little bit disappointing that they're in the exact same position as last year. Um, as of right now, if you round up, um, for, so the, the if if you if you multiply the next winning position. Uh, a percentage by 82 games. Um, they have about 49.6 wins. So if you round up, that will be about 50 wins. And I think uh, we can sit here and say, considering everything that's happened, considering everything, um, considering really like not only losing Mitch, but with just like, I think a lot of what was talked about was what we're missing is also like what was happening before the trade. And John likes to talk about this a lot, but there was a lot of rightful consternation over minutes, over whether our coach, right, whether this was right or wrong, our coach not feeling comfortable putting in Emmanuel quickly for a certain amount of minutes because of size issues, um, whether that was because um the uh Quentin Grimes not getting enough shots uh and complaining about it Josh Hart at one point coming out and complaining about uh his la- his lack of uh usage like there were real issues with that that team and they also impact were on the were on the court like how bad the defense was without Mitch uh considering that with in, in, with that starting lineup you really only you didn't you didn't really have a good perimeter uh, POA uh, POA defender like it was often Divincenzo uh, guarding uh, the best POA the best POA uh, perimeter guy and that's not really his game or or was RJ and uh, we don't really need to get into that conversation either so um, like having oh uh, I, I think that we need to take that into context and uh, I will just continue to extol the virtues of that trade and also. If you push, I've been seeing this narrative um, a little bit that now the Knicks need to win a chip. The Knicks are a win now team now. Um, what this point misses um, is that unlike the Mellow trade, where we traded away all of our young players, essentially all of our future draft capital. I know we had kept kept like the, we had uh, the twenty sixteen first, and which we eventually ended up trading for Andrea Bargnani, which was a great idea. Um, but that trade was all about, was all about the now further and whether you defend that trade like Andrew or critique it a little bit more like, uh, like, like myself, I, um, 
I think that there is sort of a, 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 a there was a con- like that they were going all in, and the OG Ananobi trade was done in a way to avoid that. Um, as John said on the, and I keep going back to this point on the post trade live stream. Emmanuel quickly is a wonderful player, but what we got from um, what uh, Toronto and maybe the Nets also, and that's a different conversation. The uh, Toronto probably valued him more for their future, more than any other team in the league, or he fit their vision for the, what their, what their future is more than any other team in the league. And whereas draft capital, which we'll eventually probably use to get a star is much more fungible in value, in, in, in value, um, or less fungible. Uh, and I think considering that, considering how well they've played from the church or since the trade and considering that they're still on a, a 50 win pace, I would give it an A, would give it an A minus, and it's not an A just because you know we're not like literally. I would say we're necessarily uh, exceeding ex or exceeding expectations. Um, but uh, I really th- I think this team is, is in a good place. Um, I I, I, I want to reiterate this to, to, to like to land the plane. I want to reiterate uh, a point I made with the last base before the trade. I know a lot of people will say that RJ and IQ uh, leaving kind of took the soul out of the team, and I really push back on that. And I think maybe part of the reason why I push back on that um, was, you know, I, and by the way, I was in the building, gave them both a huge stand standing ovation, including RJ, who I've been very critical of. Um, I think part of the reason I push back on that is I was really not having fun watching this team um, before. Like, there was, they were running into the same issues, and it was honestly a really infuriating experience. And now... Even with the, even though yes, the Knicks are not a perfect team, I it's it's it, it's a much more pleasant viewing experience. I'm not constantly just frustrated by this. Just doesn't make sense. Why are we doing this? Um, I get I I get it, and um, yeah. So yeah, I, I think an A I'm I'm at an A minus. One quick question. Um... I dropped my phone. You said you were not in. So you said you're not enjoying this team. Was that like the whole season or was it when the Mitch or was it after the Mitch injury? It was definitely probably after the Mitch injury and specifically those three games before um, the trade happened. So the road trip. Where it where uh it was I think I I think the first game was OKC, then I think there was a team. It was um it uh, yeah it might have been I remember I thought it might have been Utah or man with OKC. I don't. I, I, I think I there was a team in between OKC and um and Orlando. Um, but it was OKC Orlando, uh, and and that Orlando game and that OKC game were just like there's something wrong here. Um and. Uh, and it was just like guys didn't appear to be enjoy. It's it, it just, it just, it, 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 yeah. It just like it was a really frustrating watch. Um, and I, I had gotten to the point where I was kind of like, what are they going to do about this? Am I just going to be stewing the whole season that Emmanuel quickly is not getting enough minutes? Um, and we're kind of rid of that problem, honestly. And I'm 
you know, I, I think there's no other than yes, Quentin Grimes should get more minutes uh, when Josh Hart doesn't have it. Other than that, there's nothing. And like, you know, maybe like give OG Ananobi and Jalen Brunson a breather. And you can't really do much about the Hartenstein's situation, but because whatever, uh, we don't, you know, Precious, I know he had a good game, but, you know, I not someone who can necessarily be relied upon. There's no, but there's no real situation that's just like screaming from the rooftop. There's the rooftops. There's no Emmanuel quickly, Alfred Payton situation. There's no Emmanuel quickly's behind Alec Burks um, situation. There's no Julius Randle is literally a puddle of himself. And why are we giving Obi Toppin a little bit of more run? So I, 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 I just come from that perspective. That makes sense. Um, and uh, the first game they missed that Julius Julius that uh Mitch missed was the t- Toronto game. Um, on the eleventh, and then which they won, um, and then we played Utah and we lost, and then what keeps going going from there. All right, thank you, thank you, Kevin. Appreciate it. You appreciate you as always. Um, next we have uh, Pastor Claudio. Now, this is not the real Pastor Claudio, as I had to find out, but Pastor Claudio, uh, formerly of past, formerly Pastor Claudio's Obi Hive, and now Pastor Claudio's Scary Terry Hive. Um, welcome to the welcome to the Knicks Film School Study Hall. Uh, love to hear great from you of of, of this season, as as well as any other thoughts. The floor is yours. Hey, can you hear me? Okay. Yep, we can. Perfect. Yeah, I, had, I don't know what's going on with the app. So sorry about the technical difficulties. Um, good take so far, everybody. I know, like, for me, um, in terms of, like, sticking with the topic, in terms of grading the team, I think that B-plus, I think Chris gave it a B-plus, gave the team a B-plus. I think that's a really spot-on assessment. It's almost like this team was – this season is obviously bifurcated into two parts, right? The part before the trade and the part after the trade. Um, you know, I think it's very clear and compelling that, you know, after the trade – the, the team is more unified in terms of what direction they are and, um, you know, the urgency with which they're playing. I think they've, you know, exhibit a lot more focus and concentration on the court in terms of like, you know, just like the veteran, like grit and grind presence. I think not that RJ and, and IQ didn't have professionalism, but they had that like youthful exuberance. They just, you don't really see that now. I mean, you see more of like, it's like when Brunson's got that look in his eye, like he's like a killer now. Like he, he wants to like murder everybody, every possession. Like that, almost like that, that Kobe look, you know? Um, but yeah, so like for me, I, I don't know if we're, if we're, are we, are we talking a little bit about the trade deadline stuff too, or no? Is that, uh, listen, we, you absolutely, the floor is yours. Okay. We can, we can talk I just about, didn't want to derail anything. Um, no, this, we just want to get like the grade. And then if you want to talk about trades, because obviously Lord knows that's been all the buzz in the Knicks world. So yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Go. Yeah. So, so I know Chris hears things and I know I, I pay attention to what Jeremy has to say about the cap implications and all that stuff. I, I the reason I'm pro Terry, cause I think DeJounte Murray's got that contract that extends out like four more years, right? Terry's got that last year as an, a team option, which would be nullified if he's traded. Cause he has to play 70 games and make it to the second round with Charlotte to get that third year to be guaranteed. Otherwise it becomes like a partial guarantee. So I'm not sure how that would work with a trade, but it, technically I think it would only be like a two year deal. So it'd be uh, the year after and be like what 23 million. It's not even crazy. Um, and here's what I see, right? I, I think that you need a if Murray's the one A option, I think, for a trade. But if he's going to cost you in the neighborhood of three picks, now it's getting dicey because that that sort of you know has stepping implications for down the line, right? But if you could have Terry, like I'm seeing on the timeline, like you know uh, uh, Kyle Lowry a first and a second for for Terry, that's a little insane. Like I would match that deal because number one, he could play with Brunson, he could play without Brunson, he could play closing lineups, he could spell Brunson when Brunson's injured or needs a blow. 
He could also run the, run the bench unit, which Murray could do all those same things. If we're talking about a guy like Brogdon, he's really not going to start. He's not going to play with the starting unit. He's strictly going to be a bench player, although he might close games. But I do worry about his injuries. Um, and obviously Murray, you know, he's probably the most gifted out of all those guys, more of a two-way type player. Was Terry's defense isn't great, although it used to be pretty good in Boston, but I know he's older. Um, but I really think they just need, like, you know, isolation, scoring, shot-making, creation, you know, attack the defense, get into the teeth of the defense, and, and – in the second unit it's just sorely lacking because they have a lot of good shooting but you know it's not like they're running crazy golden state actions to get guys open so um they need that kind of spark plug presence you know with the second unit um and somebody that's like a veteran in that same sort of window of development that brunson and randall are you know and the other thing is we saw what it looked like when when brunson was hurt right and randall was the guy you know they sort of lacked that that engine you know and a guy like terry or a guy like murray but i, I think terry would be a lot cheaper could run the ship for a couple nights and you give give Brunson time to rest and recuperate. You know, it's January, February, March. He doesn't need to play 37 minutes every night against, you know, Washington, Detroit, those kinds of teams. And I think it would make Tibbs a little bit more comfortable to just let him get a little bit more healthy, you know, during during those doldrums of the season. I know they're all bunched up in the middle of the Eastern Conference. You know, the, the separation is very it's very slim. But like a little bit of a talent infusion, I think, could, could jettison this team to the upper echelon of the conference. Um, you know, the biggest question mark for me is health. And I know that, you know, I had that lingering Achilles injury when he came over right from the summer before he joined the Knicks. And it took him, what he said, like, it took him like five, six months, right. To get acclimated to that and get back to his old self. And we saw that manifest on the court. Um, you know, and the thing about the minutes, like, I'm not gonna be a minutes, please. Tibbs is who he is, but also like when, when, when Mitch went down, there weren't a lot of good options and I played so well, he like, you know, you really couldn't take him out of the game. But I blame that more on the front office for not doing their due diligence and maybe finding a couple, you know, using a couple second round picks to find another veteran big to slot in there just to eat up some of those minutes that Tibbs would trust. I know they tried the Tom Gidget experiment, but we all knew he was washed. I mean, great dude, hustle player, grit and grind. You know, he knows what to do. But in terms of the phys physical skills, I think they just diminished at this point. Um, so I'm curious to see, you know, what the plan is now with iHeart being on the shelf. Um, because my understanding is, and I, I think Benji posted that too, it's like an overuse injury and accelerating the workload too quickly. Um, I know he was one of the best conditioned centers. If you watch the NBA on a nightly basis, iHeart was one of the best conditioned big men you'll ever see in the NBA. Guy never looked tired on the court. And he always, you know, was like balls to the wall every game. So that's unfortunate. So I'm curious to see where they find, you know, center minutes um, to allow him to get back into the swing of things. And uh, yeah, that's really my take, man. I think it, the team's played really well overall. I think sometimes in spite of, organizational failure. I think the players have risen above some things. Um, but yeah, you know, they have a lot of opportunities in front of them. I know they're going to try to be prudent with whatever trade they make, if they make another trade at the deadline, but I don't see why you wouldn't offer up like, you know, one of the, like maybe the Dallas pick and like a protected pick and maybe a swap and try to get, you know, Murray. And if that doesn't work out, maybe a couple seconds and a protected first to try to get Terry. Um, Cause you could always flip Terry again down the line, you know, when that second apron hits and other teams got to make tough choices now you got some guys you can aggregate some salary together and make a big upgrade in the $40 million range. So with that, I appreciate everybody. I'm, uh, I'm going to jump down and listen. Appreciate you, uh, Pastor. Pastor. <laughs> um, before we get to, before we get to uh, I-95 Billy and Brian, I would like to get a, a few minutes, a minute or two from Chris and Mensa if you want to talk about all the trade speculation. Chris, I know you know things, so be careful. Um, but especially with the DeJounte Murray stuff, because uh, it seems, for me, it seems like the pushback for a DeJounte, against a, a, a Murray trade is that you know, we need a backup big, a backup point guard, and clearly we're not bringing him in to be a backup. Um, 
or and we just saw him play with another small guard who has the ball in his hands all the time, and it doesn't seem to be working. Uh, shout out to I forget who someone said like, like I don't care what happens in Atlanta, and I agree. But at some point, you have to like, well, if if it didn't work there, why would it work here? Um, so curious. I don't know if either of you, Chris or Mint, have any thoughts on all the trade on the Murray talk, all these other trade talks. Um, I'll jump in really quickly. Uh, so with the trade talks, you kind of got to consider two things. Well, let's consider, let's, let's say we got to consider three things. First thing being, can this player create offense for himself on and, and lead a second unit? That's the first thing you need to uh, can consider. The second thing is, can this player play with Jalen Brunson? Because if he can't play with Jalen Brunson, then that means that this creator can is limited to 10 to 15 minutes of basketball play, depending on the night with Jalen Brunson, because he's going to get anywhere between 33 and 38 minutes. So you need a guy who can also fit next to Jalen Brunson. The third thing you need to consider is, does this guy have a contract that you can use to go get a big fish in the offseason, right? Um, Joel Embiid just had 34 and 10 in the first half of a basketball game on January 22nd. I'm here to tell everybody that doesn't mean shit. It doesn't mean anything. What happens in the playoffs for Joel Embiid matters way more than it matters right now on January 22nd. So keep your eye on a guy like Embiid. And of course, there's always the Lumen, Donovan Mitchell stuff out there. So I think those are the two guys that the Knicks are going to be looking at this summer. So you need to get, you need enough salary on the books to get a guy who's worth at least $51 million um, against your cap, right? So those are the three things you have to consider. That to me takes out a guy like Terry Rozier, who I think is great. I agree with uh, Pastor Claudio's OOP Hive. I think he, um, at Doink Star, I agree with him 100%. He's a really good basketball player, but I do not think Tom Thibodeau is going to play two 6'1 guards next to each other, and I don't think Jalen Brunson's actually 6'1. But um, that's the first contention. And then even though he has the money, even though he can create his own offense, I don't think Brun- I don't think that he can play with Jalen Brunson. They're both um, two negative impact defenders, and we know how much our head coach loves defense. Right. Especially when he has great defenders right now. Like when you put out Isaiah Hartenstein and Josh Hart and Miles McBride and OG Ananobi, we may not score, but the other team ain't scoring either. And I think Tibbs likes that. So I don't think that we're going to go after a guy like Terry Rozier, even though I do think he is a good basketball player with DeJounte Murray. DeJounte Murray works. Not because he this is the best shooting season of his career. I think XJ posted that in the chat um, in our um our group chat, but it's an outlier season almost. So you really can't rely on it. He's been shooting well and he does have the height necessary to play next to a guy like Brunson and his contract works great. But then there's, he's the most, he's the guy who is highest in demand and the problem with him is you're going to need more than one first round pick. I don't know if Atlanta, because they have two first round picks this year, they have their own pick and they have the Sacramento pick. I don't think Atlanta is going to be interested in any picks in the 2024 draft, which means that you're going to have to trade future unprotected or future first round picks in general, protected or unprotected, whether it's the 25 Knicks pick and the 25 um Milwaukee pick, you're still trading two unprotected picks, and that lessens what you have to offer to a team like Cleveland, to a team like Philadelphia, in the event that one of those two guys does become free. So I think that because of the cost of a guy like DeJounte Murray, the New York Knicks are probably going to shy away from that, which leads me to a guy in Malcolm Brogdon. The, the price on Malcolm Brogdon right now 
according to the the most recent report, and I checked as recent as today, uh, just this afternoon, is they want an expiring contract and they want a first round pick, right? I think they only have, no, they have two picks this year. They have two top 10 picks right now. They have the they have their own pick and they have the Golden State Warriors pick. So that's also a team that you're not going to be able to interest in a 2024 first round draft pick because they already have two top 10 picks right now. So now you're looking at the the 2025 picks, maybe the the um the Washington Wizards pick, which at this point probably going to be two seconds. So they won't want that one. Maybe the Detroit pick. I'm looking at that Milwaukee first because that's obviously going to convey. So I think they would be interested in that. So if you could put Fournier and the Milwaukee pick together, they're probably waiting for the the Lakers. I think this is what's going on right now. The reason why the Knicks haven't been able to make this trade, even though it's kind of like a red alert when you look at those minutes distributions with Jalen Brunson and all these guys playing so many minutes, we need a body in here. We really can't wait until February. What I think is happening is other teams are waiting for the Lakers because the most valuable asset out there that could be traded from all the teams that are trading is that Lakers unprotected 2029 first round draft pick. So when you're looking at that pick, you have a team like Portland. It's like, I don't want to trade Brogdon and ruin my chances of getting that pick. You have Atlanta on the line trying to get that pick. You have um, even, let's say Charlotte's on the line. Let's say um, even with a guy like Jordan Clarkson, who does fit the mold as far as a guy who can create his own offense, play with Jalen Brunson. But the contract is really small. He's only making 14 or like $15 million next year. So it's harder to like to consolidate contracts and go get that $51 million or go get that $38 million with a guy like, Jordan Clarkson, so I don't really consider him in this conversation. But even them, they are probably waiting to see, hey, maybe the Lakers will call us for Jordan Clarkson and we can get that 2029 first round pick. So we're probably on a wait with everybody. But going back to Brogdon, I think with the contract, with the um, with the offensive production this season and with just the fit in general, he's a great off-ball shooter. He's a good shooter. He, he's good. He's not the best defender, but not the worst defender. Probably um, this season in terms of um, offensive impact, he has been more impactful than anybody else on the trade market, save for Terry Rozier, who I don't believe is realistic. So that's probably the guy that you want most. That's prob- that For me, that's the guy I want most because I believe we can get him without a Quentin Grimes. And with the Knicks looking to move Quentin Grimes to a team, presumably in the Western Conference, according to the most recent reports, you have a guy, you have a team like Houston. Can you get a Jalen Green, right? Can you put, can you combine um, Quentin Grimes with the one of our traded player exceptions and trade him out? I don't think that works because if you trade Quentin Grimes for Jalen Green, um, that puts us over the, the tax threshold and that makes things very difficult. I don't believe Jalen Green is worth going over that second or, or that first or second tax apron. I'm not sure which one it is. I'm not quite sure that's worth it. But can you put Jalen Green, um, can you put Quentin Grimes and Jericho Sims, which kind of gets you a little bit underneath that apron, even though you're right up above it and that's not too comfortable. Can you flip Quentin Grimes for a guy like Tari Eason. I know a lot of people in Houston love Tari Eason as far as their fan base goes. If you check, if you check Houston Rockets Twitter, they love Tari Eason. But here's the reality. They just paid Dylan Brooks. They just drafted Jabari Smith Jr. third overall. And they also drafted Cam Whitmore, who's playing well, even though he does have that knee issue. So that's three forwards there. There's not a lot of room for a guy like Tari Eason, who has been a very impactful defender, probably their most impactful defender this season, but he's dealing with an injury. They view him as a bench player. And if you flip Grimes for Tari Eason, maybe there's more room for a guy like Quentin Grimes to play next to a Fred Van Vliet. Maybe there's more room for him to play next to an... um, and um, yeah, Amen Thompson, that's the one they drafted. Maybe there's more, maybe it's easier for you to rationalize 
we have Quentin Grimes. He fits better with what we're doing. So I think the Knicks with Malcolm Brogdon are presented with a unique opportunity that maybe you don't have with um, a Terry Rozier or a Jordan Clarkson because Danny Ainge always wants to rob you in a trade or with a, um, with a DeJounte Murray. Maybe you can just go out, get um, maybe you can go out and get Malcolm Brogdon for just Evan Fournier in the 25th pick. And then maybe you can attach a first round pick to Quentin Grimes for Atari Eason, or maybe get another backup forward. Because in my opinion, it's not enough for us to just go out and get Malcolm Brogdon. The roster will still be incomplete. To me, ideal situation, you go out and you get a Malcolm, you get Malcolm Brogdon for the first round pick and and Evan Fournier, you go and you do that. You can probably, if you got to attach a second round pick or whatever, one pick to get Atari Eason, and then Mitchell Robinson comes back, and you're and you're walking into the 2023-24 playoffs with a rotation of Jalen Brunson, Dante DiVincenzo, OG Ananobi, Julius Randle, Isaiah Hartenstein. That's your starting five, and then off the bench, you got Brogdon, you got Hart, you got Eason, and you got Mitchell Robinson. I think that is that's ideal, right? Is it possible? Maybe not. It's probably that would probably be that. Too me is what the home run hitting um, trade deadline will look like for the New York Knicks. But I do think there is opportunity with Brogdon to not use Quentin Grimes in one trade and then use it in, um, in the trade for the, the, the creator and then use Quentin Grimes to maybe you're calling Denver and you're looking at, a, I don't know, a Peyton Watson or whatever, and you're trying to flip him. Maybe it's possible, maybe it's not. But I do know that there, if you can get a trade done for that creator using one of your 20, one of your protected picks, then you do that and use the Quentin Grimes asset differently because even if you have to, even if you don't trade Quentin Grimes out and you get, excuse me, a Brogdon in, there's not going to be any playing time for Quentin Grimes. I'm sorry, guys. He's already the one who was on. He's already the ninth man on the team, even though he's way more valuable than the ninth man. If you got a Brogdon coming in, then he's going to take his minutes. He's going to take Deuce's minutes because you know how Tibbs like to keep those rotation, those rotation tights. Those rotations tight. I'm sorry. So it's either you sit him on the bench and you depreciate the asset even more. And I know that that's been a criticism for a lot of people that the Knicks don't necessarily get the most out of their young players. Look at how we flipped Obi Toppin. Look at how RJ and, and quickly had to be combined to get Nanobi, which was a great trade. I'm not. I'm, I'm just saying these are the criticisms out there. And that could happen again with Quentin Grimes if you don't trade him out and you bring in a guy like a Brogdon or a Clarkson or a Rozier or whoever your creator du jour is. If you bring that guy in without using Quentin Grimes, then he's going to sit on the bench. And maybe you can flip him in the summer. Maybe it's easier. But I would rather be proactive and get him out of here now at the deadline for a better for a player who fits what we need. Because right now, what we don't have on this roster more than anything else to me is we don't have a a third forward, right? It's really just Julius Randle and and um OG Ananobi. I know that we like to use Josh Hart in those forward roles, but Tom Thibodeau I, I hate to break it to you guys. He likes to play Josh Hart at the two. And the impact data says, well, the um the plus minus data says that it works, right? So if you can get a forward in and you can slide up Josh Hart to that backup three, backup two, three role instead of the backup three, four role, then maybe you're cooking with some gas. So I know I said a lot there, but just to summarize it, I'm trying to get Brogdon and I'm trying to move Quentin Grimes for a guy who more fits what this roster needs as opposed to having that big guard glut that we currently have. Mensa, it sounds like you actually work for or work with a company, a media company that has like really good people who break down film 
and, and the cap, I might and everything, everything, man. That was amazing. That was sens- that was sensational, as a man from Atlanta would say. Appreciate you. What's up, Knicks fans? Quick break to tell you about our new sponsor, Prize Picks. Not only are they the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America, but they're also the easiest and most exciting way to play. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, it's just you against the numbers, picking more than or less than on a two to six player stat projection. With the NBA season more than midway through and the NFL season with just three games left, now is as good a time as any to pick combo projections across sports from the the Specials League. For example, on any given night, take Jalen Brunson over in points, Julius Randle over in rebounds, or OG Ananobi over in steals. Then combine it with two NFL props, like Patrick Mahomes over in passing yards, or Christian McCaffrey over in touchdowns. PrizePix is a really simple way to play. PrizePix offers weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts. Like on Taco Tuesday each Tuesday, PrizePix discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. PrizePix now offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account all basketball season. You know what to do. Go to prizepicks.com slash KFS and use code KFS for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash KFS and use code KFS for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, it's daily fantasy sports made easy. Chris, any thoughts um, or not? Okay. <laughs> All right. No, let's. Well, no, I'm here. Um, I think I, 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 I genuinely don't have, <laughs> I don't have anything to add, but I, I, I am here. Okay. Now I just want, I just wonder if you had anything to add. Okay. Uh, let's go to, according to the order on my screen, we'll go to I 95 bully and then we'll go to Brian. Uh, I 95 bully. Welcome. Uh, long time supporter KFS. appreciate you. We'll love to get a, uh, a what you what grade you'll give the next season so far, and then if you want to discuss anything trades, um, off season, all star, whatever. The floor is yours, brother. Jeez, man, why did I have to go after Mensa? I should have dropped down. Jeez, trying to follow that up. <clears throat> but for me, man, um, I'm I'm gonna be a contrarian just for the sake of being a contrarian. Um, as far as the grade, I'm gonna give it like a high B. Like an 86, not maybe like an 87, but like 86, 87. Um, that's the grade I'll give it. And I'm not just like looking at the record or, you know, the seedings, like taking everything in totality, um, individual player performance, um, coaching performance, the results. And like there's a few things that really stand out for me that I couldn't quite get to a B plus. Um, like with this team, they're not underachieving. They're not overachieving. They're just a good, solid team. And it's not a knock. Like, they're a good, solid team. But, like, a few things stick out to me. Like, if you go, like, the first month of the season, after that win against Atlanta, I think it was, like, 130 to 120 or something crazy like that. Then in the next game, it was a back-to-back. They got blown out by um, Memphis, I believe it was. You go to the two games where there were just like a complete lack of effort and attention to detail um, with Atlanta and, you know, with Dallas, you know, I look at Josh Hart, who's been, you know, great. He's crashing the boards, but he's kind of been underwhelming. You know, there's been times where I ask myself, like, is, is this guy salary filler at, at this point? Granted, you know, he's banged up, playing out of position. You know, I look at the rough stretch that RJ had, 
you know, look at how Randall started the season. Granted, he was coming back from an ankle injury. And then, you know, I kind of look at Tibbs as well, even though I'm, I'm, I'm really, really nitpicking. I, I know I am. But the way that with the whole Sims, Todd stuff, I wasn't really feeling that. So it, it, it kind of depends on how you look at the season. Are you looking at, you know, from January 1st or if you're looking at the season in totality? Um, but it's a good, solid team. I don't have any qualms or quarrels. Um, either a high B or maybe even an incomplete. And if, if, if it's okay, I would like to piggyback on, on what you guys talk about as far as the trades. And I think like the way people should look at it, there's two ways to look at it. You can look at it as this is what I would do, or you can look at it as this is what the Knicks would do based on historical evidence. So when it comes down to the, the trade talk, like the, the question is, it comes down to Dante DiVincenzo. Like, do you want this guy starting or do you want this guy running with the second unit? And if, if you look at the numbers, I'm, I'm sure you guys have, it's a top 10 starting lineup, you know, since, you know, OGs has come here. Offense, defensively, top 10 starting lineup. And it's like, do you really want to disturb that? And with the whole DeJounte thing, for me, I'm all for DeJounte if the plan is to flip him. Um, you mentioned he's having an outlier season um, in terms of his shooting, but I think, like, I haven't looked at numbers in a week, but if you look at the numbers, like, his pull-up game is crazy this year, but the, the catch and shoot still leads more to be desired. And if you look at what the Knicks like from their two guard that's playing next to Brunson and playing next to Randall, they like someone that can be a good catch-and-shoot guy. Um, Dante, Grimes, Fournier, well, they thought Fournier was going to be that guy. It's like looking at based on what they like at that two-guard spot, I really don't see DeJounte Murray being a fit. Granted, if you get him, the team is – it's a better team. I'm not it's, – it's splitting here at this point. Better team. For me, I like, I like Malcolm Brogdon. I think he'll be cheaper. Then you have a guy that can play the backup and, um, as Mensa said, play next to – um, Brunton as well. So for me, um, that, that's what I'm I'm looking at. And I, I agree with Mensa as well. I think they need more than just one guy. They probably need two or three guys. They definitely need a center because even if Mitch comes back, he's going to have to work his way back. And honestly, you don't know what you're going to get. And with Hartenstein, with this little nagging injury that he has, it's like, who knows what's going to happen? So for me, center, backup point guard, I would rank the forward spot a little bit lower. That's probably third of my priority list. Because if you look at, you know, playoffs, of it all, OJ Nobody's going to play 40 minutes a game, probably even more. So for me, like if you go back and you watch that Miami series and you look at the non-Brunson minutes, it was rough. And granted, we didn't have quickly. Who knows if he would have been, you know, a big help. But those non-Brunson minutes in the Miami series – were brutal. And, and this year, we saw Brunson goes down. Like Deuce is not a point guard. At this point, you know, is, is he a 10-minute a game guy? Is he a 15-minute a game guy? Playoff time comes. I probably see him being more so situational once the rotation, you know, gets cut down to like eight, eight and a half guys. But yeah, I don't, I don't want to be long-winded. I know you got um Brian up here next, so I'll, um, I'll lay my plane there. No, I appreciate you, I-95. Um, and uh, Thank I you, you, man. Thanks to all the callers. Yeah, and I don't know if you had heard me earlier, but I actually did a little nitpicking on Tibbs as well with the whole, you know, Sim starting. It was just like, it's funny because 
Mitch goes down, you start Jericho Sims, you start him, and then now he cannot get off the he cannot get off the bench behind Precious Achua, and Lord knows the Precious Achua experience has been absolutely that an experience. experience. Due to like, because like I think it's it's almost apples and oranges. Because if you look at Sims, like I think he'll do great or really good against backups. And then with Precious Achua, he's still like kind of getting acclimated to the system. And if you look at like the way that they use their center, especially on defense, like in that pick and roll, especially when it's coming, you know, at the top of the key, like the center has to guard two guys at once. And there's not a lot of centers that can do that. It's like it takes a lot for a center to play in a, a Thibodeau defensive system. So I'm, I'm a little bit more liberal or a little more kind to, to a Chua. Well, well, you are a you are more patient man than me because the Raptors fans all told us I, I was on the space. I, I, the Raptors fans all told us like Precious is not it. And um, shout out to I think it was JFK, uh, Heat fans I I, I I rocks with. He said, "When the Heat give up on a young player, that should tell you something." And Precious Chew is on his third team on his rookie deal. So listen, if we could just like, I don't need him to be great. I just need him to be not terrible. That's all I ask. Just don't be terrible. All right. Speaking and complete opposite of terrible is Brian. Brian, welcome to uh, KFS Study Hall. Thank you for. What, Waiting <laughs> I, Hey, I, I, you know, I'm getting reps. You know, ten thousand hours. You know what I'm saying? Um, Brian, thanks for waiting patiently. The floor is yours. What you got? Yeah, I'll be pretty quick. Um, you don't have it. to be quick. You can take as long as you want. <laughs> I'm like standing in the rain, walking my dog in LA, so I can't really go that long. Um, I give it. I give it B plus. It's like A after the trade, kind of B before the trade, make it even, make a B plus. Um, I would ask you guys. What trade that the Knicks could make? I kind of meant to kind of, kind of um, blew my question because he answered it a little bit. But what trade would you that the Knicks would make that would get you pumped? Like that's not a superstar. That's just a re- that's a that's a really good bench player that you feel okay. Now we got this guy. I feel like we can definitely have a chance to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. I'm kind of interested, like, what, which one? Like, to me, it's kind of Caruso, but I'm wondering what, for you guys, which would it be? Even though I don't think they're going to get Caruso. Oh, if they got Caruso, I'd be doing backflips. I would absolutely be doing backflips. But to your point, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, let me think about this if one. You, if um, you get me Tari Eason, I would be through the moon. That's that's the guy who is not necessarily on the market, but also not a star player. But if you get me Tari Eason, yeah, I'm I'm there. I'm all the way there. So the player would be somebody who can come off the bench, play, make, facilitate, and provide a little scoring punch, but not be a complete zero defensively. Uh, I mean, honestly, the the if they somehow Jedi mind trick Dejounte Murray to come off the bench, because anyone who we acquire is getting flipped, like in the Star Trade. That would be amazing, but I don't think, as I tweeted a few weeks ago, I don't believe um, Leon and Rich Paul are having to meet at Camp David for uh, for Dejounte Murray to be a bench guy, right? So, I 
I would be I, that would be it. Um, so the one the the one the trade that I've been pushing for, and this is for straight vibes, straight vibes. And please understand when I say it's vibes, it's probably wouldn't be idea. But looking within the parameters, okay, if we need a backup point guard who doesn't have any money after this year, but can provide some scoring off the bench, because Lord knows, like the non. The non-Brunson Randall minutes, especially when iHeart's not out there, go oh Lord. What the player would be, um, D'Angelo Russell. Your thoughts? Oh, I don't want D'Angelo Russell. <laughs> 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 I, that, that guy, nah, that's all right. I just don't. I don't want to deal with that. Sean, you and actually I, want them to have money next year? Well. He has a he has I forget what his option is. I think it's like fourteen million and he damn sure is picking that up. He's not getting that from anywhere else. So you know that so you know that uh D'Angelo Russell. Um so you know you that you need it to be about twenty two. You need you need it has to be twenty all right. His option well, is not if million. you're gonna flip for MB. Well, his option is eighteen for next year. He's picking not that enough. Up. Same with Clarkson. Clarkson's like fifteen, he's on a descending, not enough. But DeJounte is next year he is twenty-four. He works. So the so really quickly about DeJounte. DeJounte has a fifteen percent trade kicker. So if you trade for him, there's a chance that his contract is up at thirty million leading to trade it. And I personally, I don't know if Jeremy agrees with this. Jeremy Cohen, shout out to him. But I think that's perfect because if you could put that thirty million dollar contract on the board plus the um he's at twenty he's basically at twenty six, I think. But if you put that thirty million dollar contract plus Mitchell Robinson's fourteen million and then you throw Deuce in there, that gets you up to that forty seven, forty eight. You can make a play for just about anybody. I mean, you know, like the Knicks front office, a few of those people are wanting to do a bigger trade. It's probably a split just as much as it is with the fan base. Like this few people in the front office, it's like, let's go for it. Let's get like a three. Let's get three players. Let's give up some picks. Let's do it. And other ones are like, no, let's just bite the bullet, do one minor trade and make our move in the offseason. You know, I'm glad you brought that up, Brian, because I think that part of me thinks like everyone's like, oh, well, you know, we have to we got to make a moves to do this and do that. But it's like I saw it early on the timeline, like the Knicks want to make it. Tr- they want to make a trade to improve, but they don't want to do anything that messes up their long term. So, like, do we just bite the bullet for this year and just play it out? And I mean, yes, we should get someone. You know what? The player I want is someone that that prevents OG Ananobi from playing forty minutes tonight for the rest of the year. That's what I want. That that's what I want. Um, because I, I, that's not sustainable. And listen, we can go into the whole minutes thing, and if it if it if it contributes to um, injuries or not, but like you should like just he just he's gonna be tired. He's gonna be like exhausted by April if we if we keep this up. So um I, that's that's what I would want. But like I said, I would take I would take DeJounte if he come off the bench, but that's not realistic for him to come off the bench. Um thank you, Brian. Uh stay dry out there in um out there in LA. And why is my phone not swiping up here? Okay, we got all right, we got Jeff J says my man Jeff J in the building, and then we're gonna go to my man Deej. Um Jeff, the floor is yours. Give a grade, talk, 
talk about whatever you want. The floor is yours. Go ahead. What's going on, everybody? I just talk, tapped in. I saw y'all was, was talking, been in the discussion. It's great. Mensa, you have a... What's up, what's up, fellas? What's up, Chris? Mensa, I don't know if you're like... You like uh, Ghost in the Shell, where you have you have images in your mind, the way you was running off the the, 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 the film. Like, that. that's a unique skill. Lead into that, my brother, because, boy, I would have had to be an anime character to, to pull, off, pull off something like that. So um, definitely shout out to y'all. I... If if I got a grade, if I got a grade after these ten games, grade the uh, the the trade. I mean, the the only way it doesn't get an A is just because of the fact that we had one of the Knicks had one of the best benches or the best bench in the league, and it and it got depleted. Um, that was that's really the only hole that it left, but it was necessary. I think OG is everything that this team needed it more. And I love the fact that the Knicks have a premium piece, a premium player on their roster that not too many teams have, but every team needs. And that's something that you, you are going to need in order to get as far in the playoffs as, as, and win a championship as, um, Sorry, it's as as far as you're going to go, if you want to win a title, you're going to need one of those players. You're going to need some stars and you're going to need valuable role players as well. So I, I think I think from that is it's a home run. And I do think it's end up it's going to end up being a win win for all parties above. I don't think that's cliche. I think you're seeing it potential wise. It, it, it has all the makings of a bunch of trades that we've seen. You can look you can look at how. PG went from Indy to OKC to LA and the the remember when the the Clippers and the Thunder traded PG for for Shea for SGA and we didn't know what the what the Thunder had cooking and a few years later now they have an MVP candidate a, a dope young team and sky's the limit for them so I, I I think the Clippers I don't think the Clippers regret that trade because that's how they got Kawhi to to side as well and I don't think the OKC is 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 regretting it so I think there are examples of win wins and I think this one is one of them um, as far as for the need I'm I'm in the camp that the Knicks have to get a player that's going to fulfill their biggest need as a team now while not hindering whatever the next plan is. But I do I don't think after making the OG trade you can punt on incremental improvement moves this season. I don't think you can because that would that would be <laughs> to me that would that would be like Running a race, knowing that you had a a, a 50, 50%, like a, a 50% head start, and then say, you know what, I'm not gonna run for real. I'm not gonna run for real. I'm I'm halfway there, but you know what, I'm I'm just I'm just here for the vibes. I wanna I wanna test myself. I wanna I wanna, I wanna test myself against the limits. I'm not really trying to win this race. You're 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 on the precipice of at least a couple of moves away from being a, a legitimate title contender. If things like the if situations like the 2019 finals told me anything, nothing is promised, nothing is guaranteed, 
anything can happen. Any injury can happen. Any series changing event can happen that can that can benefit your squad. I don't think we're talking about a Heat Finals run last year if Giannis doesn't get hurt. I I, I know. Knicks fans and, and and myself included was looking at that series like, oh man, I, I think we, I know we can get past the Cavs, but we gonna have to see these Bucks. And then Miami defied they 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 cultured their way to the finals, but that wasn't all guaranteed. They had a, an injury. You you talk about the the 2015 Warriors run and a lot of people who say that they they benefited from a lot of a lot of injuries. Uh, including in the finals to get that first chip, but a, a win is a win is a win. Like they, uh, availability is one of the best abilities you can have in sports. And if your people got injured, maybe you side people who don't get injured. You know, you could say it. You could say it either way. I, I I do think they got to address the creation. They have to get they have to get depth. They have to get depth all around so that these players are not playing a playoff rotation before valentine's day like it, it, we it, it's not sustainable and and i don't have the medical background or the degrees to tell you the overexertion numbers i haven't read any studies or anything like that but i do think if if, if you've played sports in your life i marvel at professional athletes because i know after one game because i'm this is in my profession i'm doing it even even like when i was in high school i was in college one game, I'm sore as hell. So to and, and this is like playing all day, every day. So you go the equivalent of professional professional hoops playing forty plus minutes against top level talent, night in, night in, night out, throughout the course of three or four months before you get to a playoff series where those minutes are going to be the norm. Still, there isn't going to be any adjustment. I do think it's logical to think that there's going to be some some wear and tear, or at the very least, fatigue. So. I think they need to make a move that gives them flexibility but does improve their bench. It, it has to happen because you don't – if there was a bunch of young players on the team that you had the utmost confidence that they could elevate their game in the second half of the season, then I'd say, okay, that's a gamble that you're willing to take. I'd rather the um, the measured risk, right? I'd, I'd rather like the calculated risk of making a move and being able to set that up for the future move while still improving your team. I don't I just don't think with the way with this is the most this is the most parity I've seen in the NBA in my time as a fan. I don't think you can punt. I don't think you should punt away any season. You you should not punt away any you shouldn't punt away any season in sports unless you know you're definitely not going to win and it's a wrap, but especially in this NBA in this era with the prospect of Mitch potentially coming back too, nah. Go I, I, they don't have a move at this moment where it could be like a go for it move, but upgrade, upgrade your roster so that you can make the best possible, give this team the best possible shot to go as far as they can and to say that you did everything that you you reasonably could do to improve the team and, and make a run for this year's playoffs. Appreciate you, Jeff. And yo, you're right. Like, that, those, those Raptors fans, they could they they had they hang twenty nineteen in front of everyone, but you know something they were they were available. They took them, they did the moves, they they made the move to they. You gotta be in it to win it, right? And they were in it and they won it. So um, I just hope that we don't do anything that uh, 
compromise our ability down the road to win it. But yes, if we can make moves on the margins without giving up too much, then absolutely all for it. All right. Uh, all right. So we're going to go to our last two calls for the evening. Uh, we're going to go to my brother in the Ravens flock, Johnny the Raven himself, King Deej. Uh, hopefully, I see you in Vegas in three weeks. Knock on wood. Um, but right now, we're talking Knicks. Uh, the floor is yours, brother. What you got? First and foremost, shout out to Knicks Film School. Y'all know I watch almost every other episode as much as I love trolling y'all. Shout out to Jeremy. Shout out to Mensa. Chris, what's up, man? Congratulations on this season. Sean, brother Sean, I'll see you in Vegas. If you need a flight, DM me. A flight back, DM me. Because I read your text and I was working today. I'm in Atlanta. I'm gonna say I'm gonna play a social experiment, okay? I'm not. I got nothing to really talk about. I'm gonna just play a social experiment, and I want everyone, well, the three co, the three hosts of Knicks Film School, to give a sentence of how they feel when I say these names. Oh, first and foremost, forget about the Jonte Murray, y'all. For anyone that's listening, forget that. So, here's a few names: Bruce Brown and Gary Trent Jr. Give me a sentence, anybody, your choice. No. no, thank you. <laughs> Each of them are really fun to watch on one end of the floor, but their shortcomings on the other end of the floor, compounded with who they would share the court with on the Knicks, make them a poor fit, in my opinion, if you're going to spend future draft capital on them as opposed to just signing them in free agency. Okay. I only got like four, so we're not going to do this all day. So I'm going to let y'all know. So that was number one. Number two, Jeff Green and Jalen Green. I'll take it. I will take it. Yes. I will take Jeff Green. Jeff Green is fitted into his role as a role player. And if as much guff as I give Jalen Green, uh, if he can come off the bench and score and not be a, a sieve defensively, absolutely. Okay. Um, Chris, if you can't Jaylen, say it, if you can't say Jaylen, it, you don't have Jalen. Jalen Green was always really talented, um, but I think if Quentin Grimes has fallen out of favor with Tom Thibodeau, if those are the reports we're going off of for this conversation, then Jalen Green has no shot. Um, yeah, I, I just you know like guys like Precious Achua play out of necessity because of like ridiculous injury situations, but I don't know that Thibodeau would be hard-pressed to find more than 10 minutes a game for someone like Green unless he had a, a, a great scoring run and Thibodeau was kind of shown right in his face that the kid needed more minutes. I'm just not sure. We've seen on this team before um, that guys who aren't able to come into the team and have it all together don't get that long of a leash like uh, Cam Reddish or Obi Toppin. Um, and I think Green kind of falls more in that category. Uh, the amount of Rockets fans that I uh, trust and think are smart basketball minds that I've seen say that they would love to swap Green, Jalen Green for Quentin Grimes one for one, um, I think tells you that the grass isn't always greener <laughs> um, because sure. they're they're clamoring for that kind of deal um, uh, over on the other side of the of the, the the proverbial fence. And Jeff Green is just, you know, the Knicks, uh, now that they've got a Chua at the back of five, there's no one in the rotation who's 30 years old or older, right? There's kind of a, a an organizational direction here. And um, no matter how many people uh, complain that 
you know, maybe the direction isn't being stuck to because uh, quickly and top in and Barrett are no longer on the team. The, the average age of everyone in the rotation is still something like 25 or 26. Um, and I just, I just think Jeff Green doesn't, so Jeff Green and Jalen Green don't make sense salary cap wise if they're looking to make a, a bigger move this summer with these pieces. Perfect. All right, we're down to two more. And I'm, le- I'm saving the last realistic one. I'm saving the re- most realistic one for the last one. So this is number three, Jordan Clarkson. Jordan Clarkson is a fun basketball player. I would like to have him on the New York Knicks, but just because his contract is down to 14 and $15 million these next couple seasons, he gets in the way of the larger vision, which is the big whale, either Embiid or um, Donovan Mitchell. So I would have to, even though I like him, and honestly, his three-point shooting hasn't been great this season. So even though I do like um, Jordan Clarkson as the player, I would have to say no thank you, just because he gets in the way of the larger vision. Okay, last one, and then I'm out of here. Shout out to Knicks Film School, Gordon Hayward, Alec Burks. You said realistic. <laughs> they are. Um, like Kevin, like Kevin, like Chris said, we're not trying to get older players. Alec Burks is going to be 34 years old. Um, and Gordon Hayward works in principle, but then again, he's the same reason why Malcolm Brogdon works in principle, but in practice, they actually have to play. Okay, that's all I got. Shout out to Nate Spinal School, Sean. I'll see you in Vegas. Knock on wood, yes. And I I I I was able to secure flights. Thank you very much. Um <laughs> check your DMs. Um all right, last but not least, to get out of here, um, Chris Barnett, a.k.a. Hoop Spaces. And I always got to give his flowers because I do not think I'd be at Knicks Film School now if it was not for him who took me under his wing on NBA and CH on, on the clubhouse days during the height of the pandemic. Um, so I always make, I always gush over, I always gush him trying to make him blush, but he's not going to happen. We don't have no time for that. So, Chris, thanks for pulling up. Uh, appreciate the time. Uh, the floor is yours. Hey, uh, shout out Knicks Film School. Um, shout out Mensa. Uh, the dude that I probably have, have heard more about but have never met. Uh, what's up, dog? Appreciate you. Uh, shout out Emmy Award winner, uh, Jeff J. Um, yes, Emmy Award winner. Yo, um, Jeff, let me, um, let me hold that for like a photo shoot one day. Nah, man. Like, that's it. Come to the borough. I got you. <laughs> Appreciate you. Um, as, as somebody, oh, by the way, John, uh, Johnny. Yo, you take that Jalen Green trade 12 out of 10 times. And the and same thing to Chris, because uh, you don't, if you're a good team, which the Knicks are a good team now, you are not going to get into a draft position to take that type of talent. Like, you just, you just not. And uh, Sean will tell you, I've tried to tell Knicks fans that you have been a good team for two seasons. <laughs> like, it's hard to believe because of all the trauma. Knicks fans have gone through, but you are a good team. <laughs> Love it. I think uh, I think you know a lot of people um, talk about uh, oh uh, uh, Knicks fans want a, a four like Aaron Gordon. You know why can't uh, the Knicks build like the Denver Nuggets? The Nuggets don't trade for reclamation projects, right? They use their their they trust their scouting department and use their late first round picks on fresh rookie cycles. 
I think the cap always well, factors Aaron, in. Aaron Aaron Gordon was a reclamation project. You can even argue Bruce Brown was. Yeah, no, well, Gordon, Gordon, was. Gordon was one in himself, but then they had that core, and then they got they went to the total other side of the pendulum, and they made Michael Porter Jr. untouchable and maxed him out, and you know I just think that um, it's just funny to, to juxtapose those two. Well, I I get it. I I though uh, in viewing. What, what the Knicks have almost in a similar light, not, not in regards to talent because we all understand the Denver Nuggets really uh, rotate around Nikola Jokic, but in terms of being a good team, um, the Knicks shouldn't surprise anybody. Like, that, that's the biggest surprise, right? Like, cause we're kind of used to, I guess, um, sucker punch and, and some, some bad headlines and, and some bad uh, moves that just made everybody dejected, but Leon Rose is cleaned house. You guys are 43 in. You're, 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 you're eight plus up. You're looking good defensively. You're looking solid offensively. And I got to give Sean with a W uh, his, his props and his credit for Black Jokic. Uh, Isaiah Hartenstein has lived above and beyond and has been able to continue consistently playing that high as well. Uh, I know he's day-to-day, but, you know, Mitch comes back. You, you guys are going to be a tough out. Um... Hayward gets bought out. Maybe you pick him up, but you don't want the older player. Uh, you guys are in prime position to make a second half run. And and to be honest, if a lot of people don't realize that now, it's only going to make your job easier. Thank you, Chris. And Chris has been fighting the good fight, telling the rest of NBA Twitter the Knicks are better. Even last, even uh, not last year, two seasons ago, when people thought we were the worst team in the league, even though we won 37 games and we were the ter- absolutely terrible. Um, he's been fighting the good fight. And I thank you for coming around and recognize the greatness that is Black Jokic. Um, and that he's the best big back of big man in the league. He still is, uh, dog. Like why? He uh, he's still that? better than Goga Bataze. He's better than Bobby Portis. Are you kidding me? They, the Bucks would throw Bobby Portis over the side of the bridge for Isaiah Hartenstein. Oh, you ain't got you ain't got a live ticket, bro. Come on, man. I I listen. I always tell the truth, even when I lie. All right. Where with that, let's wrap up and get out of here. Uh, Chris, appreciate you. Brian, thank you. I ninety five bully. Uh, Pastor Claudio, uh, and some um, Deej, appreciate you all. Jeff J, appreciate you all. Um, any last words from the co-hosts, Chris Mensa? Anything you want to say before we get out of here? No, sir, I'm all good. Thanks to all the callers, I appreciate you all, and, and to the co-hosts, I'll, uh, hopefully, I'll see y'all soon. Much love. Yeah, uh, just to echo what Chris is saying, thank you guys for joining us. I'm really happy that we had such a successful study hall tonight. I believe right now we got about 50 people in the chat. Shout out to everybody who's here. I mean, in the in the space, shout out to everybody who's here. Um, just really grateful to be able to talk New York Knicks with you guys on a Monday night where Joel Embiid and Carl Anthony Towns are on absolute fire and you guys are here with us. So we thank you guys for coming out. We hope to host this once again sometime in the future. Yes, this will be, and we we will try as we approach the end of the football season because your three co-hosts like the NFL, and I know there's like a lot of weirdos in the timeline that like like that will see an NBA game on a Wednesday night and be like, "See, this is what the NBA's been the NFL." I don't. I don't want to argue what's better, but the impact that the NFL has is unmatched and I'm clear. So we like football, but once football is over, we will have a more consistent schedule on the weekends. Um, So look out for that. So 
again, thanks for everyone who pulled up. Oh, actually, wait a minute. Before we go, um, I got to read the comments. Let me read the comments really quickly. Okay. Bully. Uh, bully. I... <laughs> Bully has a question about Horns Double Drag would be a good play for OG. I, Benji and DJ ain't here, so I can't answer that question. Uh, oh, you tagged him. All right. You know what? Um, Bully, I will make sure that he, either him or Benji, responds to this tweet for you. Um, and then Ben Kim Gurvey, shout out to you. He said his grading skill. Um, F, I have to watch Alone in the Dark. D, I have to explain why I watch. C, Curse out loud a lot. Admit fandom sheepishly. Get pitied. B. Scrappy. No shame. No real hope. A. Proud fan. Proud fan told you guys watching public title hopes. They get an A. Bless your heart, Ben Kim Gurvey, for giving this team an A. Um, I don't know about title hopes, but everything else is just spot on. Uh, and last question from Pastor Claudio. Uh, not the real Pastor Claudio. Why would Spider fit with JB but not Terry? Rozier has a 6'8 wingspan and already plays with ball. Um, because Terry Rozier and Donovan Mitchell aren't in the same league and don't shoot at the same basket. So if we can't do... Sp- and plus for me, Scary Terry is a... We're bringing him in to be a back off the bench. I'm not trying to start Scary Terry. Um, not over Grimes or uh, or Devo. So... That's my thought on that. I don't know if Chris or Mensa, you had any thoughts on that. Well, I responded to him um, with, with um, like a, a written text out. So we're good. Okay, cool. All right, cool. All right. Again, thanks everyone for pulling up. Appreciate you. Um, keep on the lookout for more Knicks for KFS Study Hall in the future. Also, we have a watch party on the 3rd of February at T Squared. Right by Grand Central for the Knicks Lakers game. Uh, first fifty people get free Bud Light. I am not making that up. Uh, I think I will be in the building. I think I'm going to sell my tickets for the Lakers because they want guap for those, and I like money. So, and that, that way I can go watch the game with my with my Knicks film school brethren and you all. So, uh, check that out. Make sure to check out the pre games, the post games. Uh, the playbacks casual Friday will come back at some point. I promise when they stop playing on the damn Thursday, but until then for Chris Persian and for Mensa Smith, I'm Sean for W. Thank you for listening. Knicks nation. Let's ride. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.